Howdy, everybody. This is a five-minute crypto update for Thursday, May 25th. Uh, we've got early Bitcoin history, a fight between DCG and Gemini, Apple iOS, blockchain VC stats, and more. Let's get it on. As of this recording, Bitcoin continues its slow downward slide. It's currently sitting at 26200 ETH is at 1780 all right, on to the news. In honor of Bitcoin Pizza Day, which happened earlier this week, wanted to share a little bit of Bitcoin history, the origins of the phrase HODL. A lot of people think it means hold on for dear life, but that's not actually how it started, even if that may be the popular interpretation now. So it actually comes from a typo in the Bitcoin Talk forums. And remember, I mentioned a few updates ago that Bitcoin Talk, the forum itself, still holds more than 1,000 Bitcoin, which is worth almost $30 million. Anyway, this early user, this was back in 2013, after the 2012 bull run bubble had popped, so the price was falling, people were feeling down. His name was GameQB. I think he was drinking one night by himself. He typed an infamous post where he misspelled hold as hodl. And just to read a snippet of that post, he said, girlfriend's out at a lesbian bar, BTC crashing. Why am I holding? I'll tell you why. It's because I'm a bad trader and I know I'm a bad trader which is actually kind of useful advice for a lot of people in crypto. Okay, next, um, we have an update from Fintech Frank on the ongoing feud between Gemini and DCG. Just to jog your memory, uh, Gemini Earn was a program where you could stake Ether and earn yield. And what Gemini, the exchange, did was they then lent a lot of that staked ETH to DCG's Genesis group. And unfortunately, Genesis, because of a series of bad bets, including investments in FTX and Alameda, uh, was unable to pay back the ETH, and now Genesis owes Gemini, the exchange, a lot of money. And so they've been battling it out on social media and in the courts too. Gemini, the exchange, claims that DCG, which is the mother company, has missed a $630 million payment that it owns, and it's apparently working with the other creditors to work on a plan for DCG to avoid default. And Gemini, through its earned program, because it uh, was unable to get back a lot of that staked ETH, still owes $1.1 billion in crypto assets to its 232,000 earned customers. Okay, next we have some positive news from Apple. They're potentially softening their policy towards crypto, at least the iOS store. And there's a couple of signs. One is Apple's approval for Axie Infinity's iOS app, which recently launched, I believe, mostly in kind of Asian and Latin American countries. And the second was Stepin's iOS app. So Stepin was the first breakaway example of move to earn in crypto. And apparently inside Stepin's iOS app now, you can actually use crypto to buy Stepin's digital items, things like digital sneakers. And they also integrated with Apple Pay to do it. So I think this includes Apple's 30% VIG. It's from the ARCA newsletter. There's an interesting take on Tether's announcement. Um, we shared this a few updates ago. Tether mentioned that they were investing up to 15% of their quarterly profits into Bitcoin. And so I just wanted to read what ARCA had to say about it. They said, they certainly don't need to do this. Tether could invest 100% of their cash holdings in short duration U.S. treasuries, and they would still print roughly $4 billion in profit per year with arguably the simplest business model on the planet. Most USDT users care about and rely on Bitcoin success. 
you'd be unlikely to start using USDT because you own Bitcoin, but you might be around a lot longer to use USDT if Bitcoin goes higher. It's a savvy use of capital to enrich and excite your user base. There's a thread from Ram Aluwalia with a few takeaways from the Bitcoin Miami conference, and it's probably the biggest Bitcoin-focused U.S. conference in the crypto circuit. So one of the things he mentions is how inflation in countries is super high and Bitcoin adoption there is growing, which echoes our last update on Ter Demister's report. And he mentions the countries Argentina, Ghana, Lebanon, and Venezuela. I've also seen some tweets about a presentation at the conference on a new potential L2 called ARC, which seems to have really good privacy and anonymity characteristics, but this seems like a very early prototype. Next, uh, we have kind of a symbolic and a bit ironic move circle, which is the issuer of the second most popular stablecoin, USDC. And USDC currently has a 30 billion market cap. They've sold billions of dollars of their own US treasury securities for cash and cash equivalents, estimated at almost $9 billion. I'm sure part of the move is PR motivated, but officially this is what Circle had to say about why they did this. While this plan has been underway for many months, the inclusion of these highly liquid assets also provides additional protection for the USDC reserve in the unlikely event of a US debt default. And I think they're referring right now to the debt ceiling struggles, which is something that happens repeatedly in US politics. And usually there's always some last minute compromise between the political parties to further raise a debt ceiling and to allow the government to go into even more debt. We have a really useful report from Hut Capital, which is a blockchain fund of funds. So that means that they take their investors' money, their LPs' money, and they invest directly in crypto funds. And then those funds, in turn, invest in crypto startups. And this is their fifth review of the blockchain space. They track 224 blockchain venture funds that manage an aggregate of $34 billion. And just a few stats... One is that first-time funds represent two-thirds of the total, or about 150 funds. The fastest-growing segment is small funds under 50 million. This really surprised me. North America dominates with two-thirds of the number of funds and 84% of the capital. So among the funds that Hut Capital tracks, only 16% of the money is uh, in funds that are domiciled outside the U.S., I don't really focus on NFTs or fashion in this update, but there was a really interesting article from the Singapore Vogue talking about G-Money, who is this OG NFT whale, and apparently he's having some success with his luxury brand 90cc. So just to read one segment, at a Bitcoin Miami conference, he began gifting free POAPs which are tokens proving people met him in person. He gifted 1,000 Admit One passes to people who had collected his POAP, and these passes then began trading on the secondary market for higher and higher prices. At this point, having traded over 8,600 ETH, which is about $16 million, and 10% of that creator fee goes back to G-Money. So he's made almost $2 million from these Admit One passes, which he gave away essentially for free. Pretty cool. Uh, we have a great thread from Lambo Land NFT who just recaps some of the more controversial moments in NFT history. It's a great review just of NFTs, kind of wild if brief past. 
And just to highlight a few, one of them is the Other Side Mint from Yuga Labs, which created Bored Apes. The minters spent $150 million ETH in gas fees for failed transactions, and it really clogged up ETH's main chain. And a successful minter spent almost $7,000 on their transaction. Uh, the other that he mentions is Zagabond, revealing himself to be the founder of Azuki, and then people realizing that Zagabond had started three other somewhat scammy projects, including Funks, Tendies, using different identities and different wallets, and then kind of abandoning them weeks after launch. And Azuki's price crashed after the Zagabond revealed, but has since recovered. Uh, Lamboland talks about a few more projects, including Doodles, Moonbirds, and Artifact. Michael Lewis being interviewed by the New York Times. So everyone's sort of waiting for Michael Lewis's next book, which is going to be about SBF and FTX and the whole collapse. So Michael Lewis, who just has the best timing in the world, was actually embedded with uh, SBF and their team in the Bahamas for six months. And he got to witness firsthand this whole collapse happened. His book on the scandal is coming out in October of this year. The New York Times interviewed him. It's not very long. I highly encourage you to read it because Lewis himself is just as fascinating as the people he writes about. And so just to read one snippet, the interviewer asks, when he was arrested, did you worry that it might blow up your book or make it better? And Lewis's response was, I hate to say this. It's horrible. It does not reflect well on me as a human being. But my first thought was, oh my God, it was like a lock clicking into place. Now I have the story. It didn't occur to me for a moment that it would blow up the book. I did think just how messy is this going to get as the writer because I'd been so involved. I can't wait to read the book. I'm sure there's going to be a ton of stories and Lewis is just a genius writer. We're going to end it there. That's it for today. All the links are in the show notes. You can follow at 2DGensPod on Twitter and subscribe for more. For our outro clip, we've got a little bit of non-crypto stuff. It's just Patrick Bet David talking about all the recent banking failures in the U.S. Have a good day. Now, especially the fact that three out of the uh, four largest banks that ever gone out of business in the history of America were done in the last uh, 90 days. You got Wamu was the biggest, which was September of 2008, 307 billion. First Republic was 212 billion. That was May 1st. Silicon Valley Bank, March 10th, 209 billion. Signature Bank, March 12th, 110 billion. And the next one, closest one to it is IndyMac. If you remember IndyMac, it was only a 31 billion auto company back then in 08. So someone may be listening to this and say, oh my God, oh man, this guy's right. Maybe. Maybe I ought to start moving my money out of my bank as soon as possible. And, you know, Jamie Dimon, I know these guys are trying to get people not to take their money out of the bank and have too many bank runs because if they do that and, you know, some are taking their money out of their bank and putting it in the money market, is is Michael saying take my money out and put it, put it in Bitcoin? Or are you saying maybe take it and put it in a bigger bank? I'm a little concerned, Michael. You sound smarter than me. What should I do? The average person's thinking that right now.